started. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Sam's message already this morning. Lord, I pray that, that as we, uh, as a class, consider what you have for us as kind of a, you know, subunit or, or as, a, as a part of this church and of ourselves, that, God, you would just help us to, to hear from you once again. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, so be praying, you know, it's a transition right now. So we, we did a difficult transition into this COVID isolation. And that was the craziest thing to transition into from assembling ourselves together physically to everybody being separate. And, and then now everybody's separate. And we're in this transition, but it's unclear whether or not we're supposed to, to come and be here physically, uh, whether it's safe to come and be here physically. I love viewing groups. I, I, I'm kind of excited about the viewing groups. I want to promote that. I also, though, I want to be wise if you're sick. I know Will was going to come in this morning, but he was feeling sick. So it's like, oh, no, no. But at the same time, we don't want to have a spirit of fear. So it's just this weird transition time. And here's, here's a good practice for all of us, is you just pray through your decision. Pray through your situation until you have peace one way or another. In turn, and then we consider the mission as we do that. So what's the best way? to fulfill the mission that God's given us in a time like this. And it may be you're staying home so that you don't get everyone else sick. It may be that you're doing viewing groups because your neighbor won't go to church, but they will come to your house for a viewing group and then eat lunch afterwards. So anyway, just what's the best way? And I think for all of us, we pray for wisdom and we just ask, Lord, you know, how do you want me to work through this transition as we eventually transition back to assembling ourselves together. So I just encourage you, be praying like that. And it's like, it's like everything else in life. At the end of the prayer, there's this hashtag, but God, no, I, I don't want what I want. I tried that. I lived my life my way and just, you know, praying for you to bless my plan. And then I know where that leads. That just leads to frustration. God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. So there's always that little you know, postscript to our prayers, thy will be done, you know. Uh, so anyway, this morning, I, I, you know, we're not going to do praise and worship because <clears throat> um, it's weird transition time. And I think that would be kind of weird for us to try to do praise and worship. Um, you know, me up here playing the guitar or whatever might not be a joyful noise. <laughs> Just saying, that might be kind of weird. So we're not going to do that. I do, I do kind of miss corporate praise and worship, though. I miss, you know, being able to add my voice to yours, and we form a chorus of praise that magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ and, and connects us with the Father experientially through worship. I kind of, kind of miss that. So so make sure you're still singing at home once in a while so that we can all, when we come back together, it's not going to be, uh, you know, won't be weird 
Anyway, open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And we will put our hands to the plow. You guys ready? Yeah. Ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and if we start reading, you know, we know that this is Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. In fact, in verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son... And Paul is going to lay out as Paul prepares to be martyred for his faith. He, he writes 2 Timothy to Timothy to encourage him regarding the power of the gospel, the perseverance of the gospel, the protection of the gospel, and the proclamation of the gospel in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. And what we find is, is Timothy, in, in the passage we're going to be at today, we see Timothy, Paul's son in the faith. And Timothy never would have been Paul's son in the faith had he not first been Eunice's son biologically. Because it was Grandma Lois, it was his mom Eunice, through whom the faith that Timothy had was acquired. This is a Mother's Day message. This Mother's Day message starts off for us our new series. So I'm taking a break from our expository preaching through the Bible now that we've finished Romans. And we're going to do a, a series called Onward Christian Soldiers to encourage us for such a time as this. And I'd been putting this series off because I wanted us to be here together physically for this series. I've been putting it off. However, with Good Morning America chipping people, with the digital dollar being advised, with famines, with plagues of locusts, in Sudan, in South Sudan, in Ethiopia, with a new method of, of electronic currency and payment in China, with pestilence of COVID. I just can't put this off anymore because I don't know if we're going to be here next week. Amen. Well, so the time is close. We are at the end of the end times, and I can't wait to put off our Onward Christian Soldier series anymore. And in fact, I really feel validated by the Holy Spirit it was very affirming this morning because once again, it seems like Sam already preached my message. We have a very similar message. But also, also, without even me thinking about it, it's Mother's Day. And the title of our message this morning is The Faith of Grandma Lois. Okay, so Lois, this is what I need you to come up here for me. I'll give you, uh, I don't, yeah, I'll give you a bottle of water for your, uh, yes. Okay, so happy Mother's Day. No, right up here, you got to be in the camera. This is Grandma Lois. Hi, Lois. Okay, Lois Boutros, you know Lois. The faith that we will be talking about today is the faith 
of Timothy's grandmother, Lois. And that faith was passed on from Lois to Eunice and on to Timothy. Okay, thank you. Here's, Not me. Not me. Here's your water. Here's your reward. For, yes. <laughs> happy, happy Mother's Day, Lois. Happy Mother's Day, Christine. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Happy Mother's Day to those who have children waiting for them. Happy Mother's Day to those who have reproduced spiritually. Happy Mother's Day to our biological moms who have been a part of raising up their kids. And, and today, we're going to be talking about Lois. We're going to be talking about Eunice. We're going to be talking about Timothy. And it's only appropriate that we do that on Mother's Day. So, And listen, the rest of you, call your mama. Love on your mama today. Don't don't be a bad child. Be a good a good son or daughter, whatever. Let your mama know you love her and and uh, you're thankful for her. Let's go ahead and read Second Timothy chapter one, verse five through seven. So if you can get eyes on that, the handout is available on um, uh, within the files on our MBT, my MBT. Uh, site there on off our main webpage mbtkc.org if you don't have the handout then then you're just going to want to follow along closely in the scripture and so you want to get eyeballs on that verse five when i call to repentance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother lois and thy mother eunice and i am persuaded that in thee also Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And this week, we're really only going to be focusing on the faith of Grandma Lois, which gets passed down, being what the Bible calls an unfeigned faith. And we'll talk about what that means here shortly. In the weeks to come, we will be talking about remembering and stirring up the gift of God that is in us as we continue through this Onward Christian series, Onward Christian Soldier series. But first, I'm going to examine Grandma Lois's unfeigned faith. Then what we see is this was a faith that was passed down to others. It was a faith that that Lois had, the same faith Eunice had, and the same faith Timothy had. Okay, so it is for us both our mission and our methodology. Okay, because it's God's mission and God's methodology that we would pass on our faith to others. I don't mean like, I don't mean pass like, oh, I'll, I'll pass someone else's turn. I don't mean to, to take a pass. I mean the faith that I have received, I'm going to pass that on. I'm going to train others also that they may teach others also. This is the mission 
and the methodology all at once. And you know that because we talk about discipleship all the time at Midtown Baptist Temple because this is the mission of God. We all want that. I want to have the kind of faith that I can pass on to others who will pass it on to others also. And just talking about Mother's Day, Lois and Eunice are found one time each in Scripture in this passage. And, and, and Lois was the one who initially had this faith. And the only thing we see about her in the entire book of the Bible, the entire Bible, is that she took what she had and she passed it on. And Eunice, all she has in the Bible is that she passed on faith to her son. And I think about moms, and I think about how sometimes it's a thankless job being a mother. It seems like all I do is give of myself to someone else. I just give and give and give. And except for Mother's Day, in which someone gives me flowers, it seems like all I am is a chauffeur and a chef and a seamstress and someone who's running errands for everyone else and going to the grocery store for someone else. And it just seems like that's all my life is. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing myself as a mom. Sometimes it seems thankless. And you know what, moms? Where would we be without Eunice? We wouldn't have Timothy, that's for sure. Timothy received his faith from his mother. Now, he became Paul's son in the faith. He became son's, Paul's, Paul's son spiritually, but he received that faith not from Paul, but from Eunice. And I just thank God for the Eunices. Thank God for the moms. Thank God for the the otherwise thankless heroines of our faith. I wouldn't be here like this if I wouldn't have had a mom who invested in me in all those years. But the kind of faith that can be passed on, that's the kind of faith I want. That's the kind of faith you want because God made that a part of our spiritual makeup inherently. The problem is, is we don't all have the kind of faith that can be passed on. We don't all have a history of fruitfulness in our life where we can look back and say, look at my spiritual lineage. I, I, I teach my kids a little bit. I, I teach my kids, my sons right now, they're 18 and I've been teaching them about finances a little bit. And I, I, I tell them something along these lines. I said, you know, if you go work, let's say you work every day and you make $100 a day. And after you tithe and after you pay your taxes, then you have $80 left. I said, if you spend every dollar, all of those $80 on your rent, and on your food, and on your clothes, and on your activities, at the end of the day, what do you have to show for your work? All you have is, is you. I mean, you're still alive, so that, that counts for something. 
So, but other than you put food in your belly and you paid your rent, you don't have anything to show for your work. Well, but if you can save a dollar a day, so you're going to live on $79 instead of $80, and you save a dollar a day, that will build up over time. And at the end of the year, instead of having nothing to show for your work, you'll have $365 to show. And if you can invest that money, it will start to work for you. And eventually you have something working for you. And over time that builds up and then there's all that compound interest and, and all of that. But I'm trying to get my sons to see that if they don't take some of, of their effort and energy and invest it in things that will last, they just spend it all up. They won't have anything to show for 40 years of labor except they put food in their bellies. Okay, well, spiritually speaking, if I don't have a faith that I can pass on to others, at the end of my life, okay, I'll have my own relationship with God. Praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven. The angels rejoice, that's a good thing. But, but if I don't invest and I don't pass on the faith that I have received, at the end of my life, there's nothing else to show for all the labor that I did. We all want to have a spiritual lineage. We all want to be fruitful. Success in the Christian life is not just you being mature, it's you reproducing yourself. Boas had that kind of faith. How do we get that kind of faith? Lord, how can I get the kind of faith that I can invest it, I can reproduce it in others. And here's the key for us. It was an unfeigned faith. Unfeigned. What's that mean? Well, that word that, 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 that we see, unfaithed, is translated a couple other ways. Turn with me to James chapter 3.17. James chapter 3, verse 17, this is what we, we read. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So, without hypocrisy, that's the same word translated in a different way as unfeigned, without hypocrisy. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Turn with me to Romans 12, verse 9. In Romans 12, verse 9, this is what we read. Let love be without what? Dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So dissimulation, I'll bet you you haven't used the word dissimulation lately. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like dissimilar. If two things are similar, they're, they're, they're the same. For something to be dissimilar, it means they're not like each other. Dissimulation is where my story, what I'm presenting, 
is not the same. For example, if in a certain situation, let's say uh, our workplace, okay, in, in my workplace, I act one way. However, when I come to 40th and Walnut, I act a different way. Those two things I'm acting not in the same way. I'm not being similar. This way is not similar to this way. You know what the Bible calls that? Dissimulation. It calls that hypocrisy. The faith of Grandma Lois was without dissimulation. See, Grandma didn't act one way at home and another way at church and another way in the market and another way with her husband. Grandma Lois had a faith that was honest. It was true. She didn't front. She didn't have to pose. She didn't pretend. See, here's the thing. If, if our kids see an unfeigned faith in us, they'll see something real. However, if our kids see in us dissimulation, they will recognize, they will recognize that our faith is really hypocrisy. And they won't want any part of it. See, to have a faith that can be passed on, it has to be real. People will follow a lie only if they think it's true. If they, if they don't know it's a lie, they'll follow a lie. But if someone knows something is a lie, they may use that situation for their benefit if they're a schemer, but they will not buy into it. They won't believe it. They won't put faith in a lie. If our faith is not unfeigned, it will not be a faith that we can pass on, which is the mission. And the methodology is for us to reproduce what is true and right, our faith, what we believe in the life of someone else. Okay. Our faith also, if it's going to be a faith that we can pass on to others, it not only needs to be unfeigned, it needs to be a mature faith. Did you see that in, in, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 5? Paul says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so 1 Timothy. Go, go back to our passage in, in 2 Timothy, and then go back to 1 Timothy. Okay. So we were in 2 Timothy 1.5. We want to look at 1 Timothy 1.5 real quick. Sorry. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Same word. Okay. So the end of the commandment. So you've received the word of God. You're now mature. What does that look like? The end of your... Okay, maturity looks like charity, a good conscience, and an unfeigned faith. Now, how do you get to the point where you have a mature faith? Well, you went through some stuff. That's how you got your faith matured. Our faith becomes matured through trial. 
A mature faith is one that has been tried. Turn to 1 Peter 1, 7. You guys know this verse. You probably don't even need to turn there. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perish, perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It is the trials we go through. What is a trial for you? Here's a trial for you, believer. A trial for you is a trial of your faith. We sometimes will present things, maybe a prayer request, like, I'm going through this really hard time. Well, hard in what way? Well, financially, with my health, with my career, with my family, with my relationships. You know what that is, believer? It's a trial of your faith. Can you, even in this situation, stay on point? Can you stand can you have a hard conversation without sinning? That's a trial of your faith. Will you continue to serve God? Will you continue to be part of the mission even when it's hard because your circumstances? It's a trial of our faith. And Lois had an unfeigned faith. We see in, in, in that's in 2 Timothy 1.5. That's our main passage. We see in 1 Timothy 1.5 that the unfeigned faith is the end of the commandment. It comes with maturity. So Lois had a mature faith. And so this is the point I want to make to our group this morning. It has to be okay for us to struggle. It has to be okay if during our prayer request time, I say to you, brothers and sisters, please pray for me. I am struggling. That has to be okay. I shouldn't have to come here and pretend like I never struggle. I shouldn't have to come here and act like I never go through trials of my faith. Well, first of all, that would just be silly. I should never come in and pretend like God doesn't chastise his children whom he loves. And I'm going through chastisement. It has to be okay for us to acknowledge I'm going through a trial. Please pray for me. This is a struggle. I'm completely trusting in the Lord, but as I'm going through it, please pray for me. It has to be okay for us to struggle. If we can't, and listen, I, I, I don't need to know the details, okay? I don't. I don't, it, you know, during corporate prayer times, probably not the time to unload on, you know, all the, the, the you know, the, the details. That's, that's okay. You can present it just like I did and say, hey, the prayer request is I'm struggling. I think it's a trial of my faith. Pray for me. What I'm saying is if you have to pretend like you're not struggling when you are struggling, that just seems weird. And the other people in your life who know you personally just might see that as dissimulation, as dishonesty, because out of fear and doubt that you don't know how people are going to receive that, you won't be honest. Again, I don't 
don't need or want the details. But I do want to know that we have an environment where it's safe for us to be biblical. Does that make sense? Make sense? Okay, I'll feel like I'm repeating myself, so I'll go on here. <clears throat> Characteristics of an unfeigned faith. Well, first of all, it's, it's without hypocrisy or dissimulation. Number two, it's a mature faith. Number three, it's an obvious faith, or it's an evident faith. Paul said, I saw this faith in you. I am persuaded that this faith is in you. Well, how did that happen? Well, Paul saw something in Timothy's life where it was evident that faith was there. He says, oh, by the way, I recognize that. I, that was the same faith that's in your mother. Oh, that's the same faith that was in your grandmother. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe when Paul was there at Derby and Lystra, he he, uh, maybe Lois had a backyard vacation Bible school. And then Eunice took part in that. And then finally, little Timothy joined the family backyard vacation Bible school business. Maybe that's how Paul saw their faith. Maybe Lois used to say, God is good. And Eunice would say, all the time, all the time. And Lois would say, God is good. And then the next time Paul comes through, he hears Timothy say, God is good. And Eunice say all the time, all the time. And little Timothy would say, God is, I, I don't know exactly what Paul saw in Timothy that was an evidence of Timothy's faith. But this is what I know. It was an evident faith. It was an obvious faith. The people that were around Timothy, he had a good reputation. They didn't have to ask if he was a Christian. His faith was evident. You know, the more difficult the situation, the more easy it is to see believers. The darker the situation, the easier it is to see the light. And when we're going through times of trial, it's actually easier to see who really believes and who doesn't, who has faith and, and who doesn't. So, you know, we want what's best for the gospel. We don't want easy times. We want what's best for the gospel. And I think focusing on that helps us get through trials and difficult times because there's a purpose in it for us. It's actually a time for us to invest more clearly, more directly with the voice and maybe opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise have. Number four, the faith of Lois. Grandma Lois's unfeigned faith was a fearless faith. Faith. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We will be looking at these verses in the weeks to come. But I just want to refer to this verse in this time because the reason that most people don't have an unfeigned faith and a mature faith, and as an obvious faith, is because they have a fear of man. The fear of man is what causes us to dissimulate. The fear of man is what causes us to close our mouths when we should open them, and to open them when we should close them. It's the fear of God that causes us to be faithful. So when I say fearless, I'm saying don't fear man. Rather, fear God. Hebrews 
chapter 13. Let's turn there. It's just right a few pages back. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. Paul says in verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, that you may be, and be content with such things as you have for, have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 6, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do to me. And that is a quote from Psalms. There's a whole lot of Psalms that speak that same sort of thing. In Daniel 3, the fiery furnace is a good Old Testament example. Again, Sam spoke, uh, preached about some of these things this morning. But in the fiery furnace, the three were like, look, king, we believe that God's going to save us. But even if he won't, we're not going to bow down to your images. You know, so, so do your thing. Go ahead and throw us in the fire. And they were thrown into the fire where Christ was. But honestly, if we were to put ourselves in that story, we would not want to be anywhere but in the fire with Jesus. We shouldn't fear to be thrown into the fire by the king. We should fear to be outside of the presence of the Lord by bowing down because of the pressures of man. You know, here's the key. You can't have both. You can't embrace both the fear of man and the fear of God. They don't go together. They're oil and water, light and dark. You can only have one or the other. So we have to make a choice, and we make this choice every week, maybe every day. Am I going to fear God or am I going to fear man? It's the fear of man that causes us to dissimulate. Why would I act one way at church and another way at work? Well, because I'm afraid of what you all might think of me here at church if I just don't put up a front. I'm afraid of what people at work might think of me if I just don't put up a front. That's the fear. That's fear of man. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. But the devil uses the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the way that this world is wired to subtly threaten you to keep you from acting and living in faith. Here, here, here's how it works. You better not let the people in your cubicle know you're a Christian. You better not. There's a subtle threat there that you're going to lose your reputation, that you're going to lose your job, that you're going to lose your place in this world. Well, listen, we're not supposed to want a place in this world. You know that intellectually. But then why do we fear and give in to those pressures and dissimulate. Why, why is that? When God has not given us a spirit of fear, it's because we're listening to this, the voice of the devil. We're listening to the spirit of fear. The God has not given us a spirit of fear, but it's definitely there. Here's the thing. You, you have to die to your place in this world to be set free from the spirit of fear. <clears throat> 
yes, it's a daily decision to say, Lord, thy will be done. I'm presenting my body to you, a living sacrifice. Here I am. The sacrifice part is me dying to my place in this world. I die to a place at the cool kids table. I die to a place on the golf course in a gated community. I die to a six-figure salary. I die to, to, to the different things that the world offers me. I, and, and so what happens is when I die is I just set myself free from all the little subtle threats of the devil. Well, listen, maybe they won't like you if whatever. You know, I don't know. I, I don't need everybody to like me. I died to that. I'm not going to be a people pleaser. I'm dying to that. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, if you just read through the Hall of Faith and think about all those people and, and God's bragging on them, and he says something along these lines. These all died in faith. Not, you know, like, like strangers and pilgrims. Like, I'll just live in a tent. This world's not my home anyway. I'm looking for the city that is to come, the new Jerusalem and my place in that city, and I'm willing to forsake my place right now here on the earth that I might have a better place when Christ comes back. We're living for eternity, strangers, pilgrims, and we know that. I know you know that. But then why do you fear? Why, why do we dissimulate? Why do we feign? It's a spirit of fear. You must choose faith or fear. But if you're going to have a fear that can be passed down generationally, a real thing, it, it, you have to die to the spirit of fear. You can't cave in every time the devil puts pressure on you through the spirit of fear to dissimulate and change the way you act around different people or in different circumstances. So we have an unfeigned faith, a mature faith, an obvious faith, a fearless faith, that is, I fear God, not man. And finally, a consistent faith. Now, this kind of goes with the others, right? So if I'm not dissimulating, I'm staying the same in all my situations. I'm consistent in my faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, One. <clears throat> tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God. Our circumstances change, but God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And so my faith shouldn't change when my circumstances change. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, you guys know about that. That's putting on the armor of God. So we put on all the different armor to what end? That we might what? Stand. Stand. And having done all, we stand. And we stand against the fiery darts, and we stand with the shield of faith. And having done all, we stand. The goal is consistency despite the fact that everything else around me is movable and changing. The Word of God doesn't change, so my faith doesn't change. I don't dissimulate in fear. Instead, I just consistently stay in my stance, which... We know from Romans chapter 5, verse 2, we stand in grace through faith. The shield of faith allows us to stand when under attack. And here's the key. Ready? Ready, Christian soldier? We're always 
under attack. And even when it's subtle, that's just a different attack trying to get you to not be vigilant so that we don't stay in our stance. So we're easy to knock off our feet because we're not paying attention because things are good. That's still spiritual attack. We're always under spiritual attack. Okay, so application of this message. First of all, stop fearing man. The spirit of fear is not of God. Die to the idea of having a safe, comfy, important place in this world. My life is so uncomfortable. Good. Now, I wasn't saying that Friday. <laughs> I was whining about how uncomfortable my life was. I've had my hand to the plow pretty consistently these last few days. Not getting a lot of sleep, getting a lot of work done. Okay. Well, I repent of being whiny. Okay. At least for now. Praise the Lord, I don't have a comfortable life. I'm a meaningful life. I need to die to the idea of a safe, comfortable, easy, important place in this world. I want to have an important place in the lives of my brothers and sisters, meaning I'm doing Ephesians 4 like Sam talked about. I want to have a place in this ministry. I want to be part of the fellowship of the gospel with you all. That's what I want. That's my place. We, our home is coming. Right now we're strangers and pilgrims. So just die already to all those other things that the devil wants to entangle you with and wants to ensnare you with. You get a seat at the cool kids' table. You get a place on the committee. You're just trapped because now there's an expectation that you're going to laugh at the right things and you're going to behave yourself according to the standards of this world. No, I'm going to just live in faith to what God's word says. I'm dead to all that other stuff, but now I have a faith that I can pass on to others. I have a real faith. I have an unfeigned faith. I have a mature faith, an obvious faith, a fearless faith, and a consistent faith. And now that's a faith that you're going to be able to recognize in me, but you're also going to be able to recognize it in my disciples. And in their disciples, there will be spiritual fruit because I'm like Grandma Lois. So next application Seek out and correct areas of dissimulation in your life. What areas do you have where you dissimulate? Well, you know, when I talk to my family, I regress to living like I used to before I was saved because that's how they all operate. Uh, okay, that's an area of dissimulation you can think about and you can correct. Now look. All things to all people that by all means you might save some. I'm not saying you have to use the exact same words, but if you're dissimulating, you need to fix that. I, I think that makes sense, right? Okay, another area. Here's an area of invitation. Join the ranks. Plug in. Take the next step. The Christian life is designed to be a light that we don't want to, you know, put under a bushel. So, for instance, <clears throat> baptism. Baptism is a public testimony. You know, some people may need to get baptized. I don't know. You know. I don't know. If you have questions about it, ask me. 
But maybe there are some people that need to get baptized as a public testimony. You know what that would be is a very real evidence of your faith. People wouldn't have to ask. They would see you get baptized. That would be an obvious evidence. So here's the main points. If you're going to pass on your faith to others, it must be an unfeigned faith. It has to be okay to struggle, and that's okay. If I ask you, hey, listen, pray for me, I'm struggling. You know, you ought to be like, okay. <laughs> Shouldn't be a great surprise. Our environment needs to be one where it's okay if you're going through a trial of your faith because God says, oh, you're all going to go through trials of your faith. And then finally, we cannot embrace both fear and faith. You've got to choose one or the other. So that's it. Let me pray, and we will, uh, we will close up officially. We can kind of hang out on the chat here for a few minutes if we want, but we'll be officially dismissed. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Help us, God, to have an unfeigned faith like Grandma Lois, a faith that we can pass on to others, which is the mission and the method that you've given us. God, at the end of our lives, we want there to be something that we can look back on and show there's an evidence that, that we were here, that we worked, that we had a life, that we were able to reproduce that. God, help us, Lord, to, to seek out and correct areas of dissimulation in our lives and help us to, to jump in, to take the next step and engage in the ministry through this structure. And God, finally, God, we just confess to you, we, we do feel the spirit of fear. But we, we want to acknowledge that spirit's not of you. So we're not going to, Lord, subject ourselves to that spirit. But God, help us. Help us to see it before it's too late. Help us to acknowledge it and just die to our place in this world so that that spirit of fear doesn't have anything in our lives that can work with. Because we're just walking in faith as strangers and pilgrims. God, we love you. I thank you for the Living Well class and all the people, Lord, that are here and the people that are with us on Zoom and the people that, that uh, hopefully we can live stream this you know, message later. But God, please bless my brothers and sisters. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.